0: The Ordinary Folk Podcast is a project that highlights the fortitude of common, everyday people through storytelling. This is a collection of stories that showcases silent human resilience, heartbreak, and triumph. You can follow this podcast at Ordinary Folk Podcast on Instagram, and you can be a part of this project by reaching out to me at Ordinary at gmail.com. My guest today is a 35 year old mechanical engineer who after years of studying and working within his field came to realize that he was not excited by his work. Today's story is about challenging the notion of success and pursuing the uncertain path of entrepreneurship. Welcome to the podcast, Graham Balanchi.
1: We're starting right now. Yeah. Okay. We're starting right now. Thank you for having me. Okay.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, can you start out by describing your childhood, your parents and a little bit about maybe if you had any siblings or anything like that?
1: Let's see here. So I grew up, I was born in Southern Ontario. And I have two sisters. I have one older sister, I have one young sister. My mom is a nurse and my dad is an accountant. Well, he was an accountant, now he's turned into very much more than that. I was born in Brantford, Ontario. And then at a young age, we moved to Montreal. And so I was exposed to a French culture pretty early on. And then from there, we moved to Burlington, Ontario. That's where I went to school till grade six. After that, we moved to Calgary and then at the in grade twelve, my parents moved to Vancouver, where they live now in North Vancouver, and I finished off my grade twelve year and then moved to Victoria, where I went to school.
0: So you moved around quite a bit.
1: I did, yeah. Was I mean, that
0: for like your dad's work yeah. or
1: okay? He worked for CP Rail, oh, okay. and they kept on moving him around.
0: Oh, OK. Oh, my dad also worked there.
1: Did he really? <laughs> yeah. OK. Um, it's a big company.
0: Yeah. Um, was it your dad who instilled in you the idea of needing to be successful and have higher education? Oh, yeah.
1: Yeah. No, he definitely instilled uh, work ethic in me quite young. I remember I was a bit of a goofball. I still can be a bit of a goofball. I was definitely a wiggly kid, a lot of energy and loved talking to people, love making friends. Didn't always pay attention in class, and I remember by grade one or two, I guess they approached my parents about that, and they were like, "Yeah, I know Graham's cool. We see a lot of potential in him. He gets along with everybody. He seems to be smart. Um, he's not really paying attention. He's not, you know, he's not really dedicated to his work." And so I guess they had some kind of conversation like that. And my dad came into my room one night. This is going way back. I'm probably six or seven at this at this point, and he had a piece of paper he had printed out on one of. our, he, We had a computer pretty early on. This was like 1990 or something, and he had this printed out called the rules of the game and it was uh oh god i have to remember these number one was work first then play number two was be neat and tidy number three was finish what you start and that was it and it was on my wall for 10 years
0: okay so your dad was like a profound influence on you yeah he still is and your character building absolutely okay did he sort of guide you into engineering or how did you find engineering like as an interest?
1: You know, it was basically early on, I could tell that I was decent at math. Like my, my older sister struggled with it. So I was kind of expecting that I might struggle with it. I had this idea that math was really hard, but my dad had me like on long road trips, he would have us doing like math in the back seat of the car. Like he'd be up driving and he would just like send out math equations to me. Or like, you know, ask me, oh, what's 17 plus 14? And I'd be like, oh, 31, you know? And like, and he would just do that over and over. And by the time I actually started studying math in elementary school, I don't want to compare myself to other people too much, but I could tell that I was well above average at that. And then when we started learning science later on, it was clear that I was getting really, really good grades without that much effort. And not everyone was. So, and I enjoyed it because not only was I learning about how the universe worked and how machines worked and how these things around us that give us the life that we have work, I was somewhat good at it. And that really reinforces liking something, you know? Like when you when you put a little effort in and, it's, and you do well at it, it's fun. And so I kept on, so science and math early on were something that I enjoyed. And I you know, I remember being in grade six or seven and knowing that I was gonna clearly do something with science and math.
0: So like really, really early on then. Really
1: early on. I didn't know exactly what it was gonna be, but I knew that I had a technical enough brain. I wasn't the best, by the way. There was also, there was always the super brainiacs that were like, there was always one or two people that were getting like the 99% all the time, but I was clearly good at it. And without too much effort, I didn't, and I enjoyed it. It was fun. I, I could do really well. So I know by yeah by 10 or 11 years old, I was going to be something to do with science and math. And typically the advice is if you're good at science and math, one of the first things that comes up is engineering. That is something, especially once we move to Calgary, Calgary has a huge engineering scene because of the oil and gas there. So it's it's really, really encouraged to study engineering when you're young. If you're good at science and math, being male helps, but it's not the only thing. <laughs> but uh, It was kind of like I almost knew by grade eight or nine that I was like, OK it's probably gonna be some kind of engineering. And at first I thought it was gonna be electrical engineering is what I would do. I mean, I can go on from there. In grade 10, 11, 12, like in high school, there was an electro technologies program and I learned all about electronics and I learned about how electric power works and electric power distribution. We actually started studying physics at that point and like more advanced math. I wasn't as good at math in high school as compared to some other people, but I was still pretty good. When it came to physics and chemistry, I was like always at the top of the class. I loved physics, especially. It was just it was so cool to learn about like the fundamental laws of the universe and how to predict the way matter interacts with itself. And it was just fascinating to know that humans have actually figured this out over a period of like a few hundred years to a thousand years or something like that. It's just amazing the history of it and everything. So I eventually it was clear I was going to do something with science and math. And for a long time, I thought it was going to be electrical engineering. And I applied for when it came to time to apply for universities, I applied to probably 10 different universities across Canada. Nine of them I applied for electrical engineering. And I got into a few pretty good programs. I also visited the University of Victoria. And a lot of people were like, oh, man, The really really fun university is the University of Victoria. At the time, it was like one of the schools I was like easier to get into. That has since changed, and it was a beautiful campus and all these great stories of people having gone there and just having an amazing time. And I didn't even know much about Vancouver Island or Victoria at this point. And I visited there with my mom, and it was just such a cool, fun campus. And there was some kind of tour that had to do with the uh, astronomy department there. And I went online and I saw this, and I toured, and I went up there, and they had a telescope on the roof. And I toured the astronomy department and I went on the, I went on the internet and I looked through the brochures and they had a physics and astronomy program. And I'd never really thought about, I, I was so convinced of engineering for so long, because that's what all the advice was, that I'd never really considered, you know, maybe you could just study science itself. Maybe you don't have to study engineering, which is like an applied science. It's learning a bunch about science. and Now we're going to make machines out of it. And now we're going to build things for people, right? I ended up getting enamored with physics and astronomy and I had made a last minute change and I ended up uh, studying physics for five years at UVic. Physics was really cool. I learned all sorts of amazing stuff, like the Einstein theories, the quantum mechanics, the entire history of physics the 20th century was an amazing time for physics and i feel as though i do have a good understanding of it i also learned that being one of the better physics students in high school does not necessarily mean you're one of the be- better physics students at the university level in first and second year i still was but by the time it was third year and it was a very concentrated stream of only the people that chose physics it was clear i wasn't near the top anymore it was incredibly difficult the math gets incredibly advanced and it, that wasn't my strongest suit was the math And I actually got to a point where it was so overwhelming, like third and fourth year of physics was so overwhelmingly difficult that I let go of any expectation of high grades, and I was just trying to get through it. I'll admit, I, I did have a really balanced life. I was very social. I li- I loved hitting the gym. I went through this entire period of, like, I was obsessed with health and fitness and that kind of stuff. And I played music. Like, I had a really balanced life with lots of hobbies. I played sports. I went camping. Yeah. To get really, really high grades in physics to the point where you might actually be able to go on and, like, study physics for a living, you have, like, for somebody of uh, what I realized was my intelligence level, you have to dedicate all of your time to it. And even during periods where I did that, I didn't necessarily get good grades. Like I got B minuses and C pluses a lot of the time.
0: Was this realization difficult for you to arrive at? Because I think I've heard this sort of, this thing happen to a lot of high school students who do really, really well in high school and they assume that it's It's going to to continue. Yeah, it's sailing. Okay.
1: And, And some people bring up that excuse like, oh, well, in high school it was so easy. So you didn't know how to study and that's why you didn't do well in university. And I see that all the time. That is totally a true thing but in first and second i did actually have very good study skills my dad taught me all that kind of stuff and and i took some courses and that kind of stuff too so i was very always very organized on how i studied when i studied doing the assignments asking questions I did all of that. And in first year, before it got crazy difficult, I did get some pretty good grades. I still got A's and a few B's kind of thing. Like I was like, and I was like, okay, cool. Yeah, this is really validating for me. Second year, it got more challenging. There was more B's than A's, but I was like, okay, still not that bad. By the time I was in third year, like it was just so challenging. And like, basically like you're taking five classes at a time and all of them are just so hard. Like, it's not like, oh, I have one or two really, really hard ones. The rest of these aren't so bad. Each and every one of them was a third year math or physics course. And they were like, everyone found it incredibly challenging. Like getting like an an average of 30% on a midterm was normal. And then they would just scale it after. Every, like literally there there were exams where every single person failed. I got 11% on a midterm once. And I studied, I studied for a week for it and got 11%. Like, it's just, this is like the hardest Science out there kind of stuff. It's not just a matter of going over and learning some information and spitting it back out. It was like the fundamental laws of the universe and some of the math around that. And then the teachers throwing you (laughs) curveballs and the professors throwing you curveballs in these exams. Trying to weed out who the geniuses are. And a few of those people did emerge. In fact, one of the funny anecdotes from back then is uh, there were two Grahams in my physics year. There were two Grahams. There was Smart Graham and there was Funny Graham. I was definitely not Smart Graham. I was Funny Graham. And Smart Graham is now a math professor. He did his PhD at Duke and now he's, I think, Memorial University or something like that. I've kept him, not not really in touch with him, but I've kept track of him a little bit because I was like, oh, I wonder what Smart Graham's doing now. Because he was like, he was one of those guys that even though it was all crazy hard and he did study hard, he was getting like straight A pluses no matter what like and that's when i learned in university that there's a divide between intelligence there is a difference in intelligence yeah. i, can, I ha, i'm grateful that i'm definitely above average and i knew that from a young age that i was like, okay clearly i'm above average like i'm doing better than most people and it's not that hard for me but there is a difference between being above average and being a true genius and it was like second and third year university where i was like i cannot compete at this sort of stuff when it comes to like the pure mathematical and physics like brain churning and like an actual wizardry of the mind I cannot compete with actual genius. And actual genius is a real thing that you have or you don't. And that's something I had to, it took me a long time to get over that, but that's when I learned it. People talk about, and this actually kind of bothers me these days, there's like this idea that as long as you work hard, you can do anything you put your mind to.
0: No, you fucking can't.
1: It's no, you fucking can't. And like, actually what it should be is you can do anything within your abilities. And there are certain abilities that you can improve with effort, but you're going to be naturally inclined at some of those more than others. And some of this stuff is really based on, like, to a certain extent, genetics. And I'm sure there's a nature versus nurture argument we can get in. But I eventually realized that studying physics for a living was just not going to happen for me because to do that, you definitely need to be, like, Like have a very high IQ and I have a decently high IQ, but it's not at the level where I could be like a professor in physics. Like it's just not going to happen. And so that was really disheartening because if you're good at math and science, what do you do if like, okay, so I said now I have this degree in physics. I managed to get through it with a lot of B's and C's. I think my average was B in the end because my, my early years were actually pretty good grades. What do you do with that? You have this degree in physics. It's a really hard degree to get. That was like an incredibly challenging degree to get. I mean, all degrees are challenging to some degree, but that is one where it's like very few people choose it for a reason. And then what do you do with that? There's no jobs out there where they're asking for somebody with a bachelor's degree in physics. I thought about teaching. I thought about getting in like a business degree or something and actually my last year of university I knew that I wasn't going to be a physicist so I got a minor in business to be fair I didn't finish one of the courses so I didn't quite get the minor but I took almost all of them and the last course I was like whatever I didn't want to stick around for the summer for some bogus course (laughs) I didn't take it but I studied one year of chemistry because I switched out of physics because I was like oh my god this is getting too intense I studied a year of chemistry and then I realized I wasn't going to be a chemist either not although I will say chemistry is less competitive I did better I got higher grades in chemistry but I wasn't motivated to do that for a living so I'm glad I did it for year. Chemistry is really interesting. And I definitely have a higher understanding of chemistry than most people I know. And even most engineers and and scientists that aren't chemists. And I switched back into physics because I was like, you know what, if I'm going to get just a basic science degree, I want it to be physics because it just sounds cool and it's badass. And and it is the thing that I'm the most interested in, to be honest, even though I I knew I wasn't going to go on with it.
0: So was there a lot of uncertainty at this point of exiting university? Because it sounds like you were sort of shifting back between a th- few different things. Yeah. And you're probably uncertain about what do I do after university?
1: Absolutely. I sometimes during the summers I was getting, uh, I did a couple co-op terms in science. It was always fun jobs, though. It was never anything really serious. I was a science camp counselor. I was also like a, a laborer on construction sites a lot of summers. They paid decently well. I like being physical. So I was doing that. I had a degree in physics and I was back to like moving lumber around, things like that. And my dad was introducing me to all of this business contacts and he was trying to get me to talk to and he, I was setting up meetings and getting advice from people and doing this and doing that. Eventually what ended up happening is I one of my good friends was doing a co-op term out in Ottawa and we were in touch and he had a spare bedroom in his in his townhouse and he said if you want this bedroom it's only like $400 a month. Even with a minimum wage job I could have afforded that. Long story short, I drove out to Ottawa and I moved in with him and I had a bunch of crappy jobs. I mean, they weren't crappy. Like it wasn't like torture situations, but like it was not using my degree at all. It was not something that you can build a a real career around or anything like that. Right. Temp jobs.
0: How old were you at this point? 22. Were yeah. your parents giving you the space and time to have this uncertainty in your life or were they pressuring you to? No,
1: they weren't. My dad definitely set me up with a lot of business, his business contacts to get advice. And he brought me to his like board meetings and stuff just to see what the environment was like. And I'm totally grateful for that. Like he actually, and to this day, I, I, it's useful now more than ever, I would say. Some of that foundation I got early on. Yeah, so I would say, yes, they gave me lots of space. And at the same time, I, my dad was, I wouldn't say pressuring, but he was encouraging and he was give, trying to give me opportunities. as they came his his way. And he still does that, to be fair. And he's, I'm actually, I'm very grateful for that guy. The old man is great. And my mom was always very supportive. Yeah, no issues there. They definitely wanted me to do well in life, but I was only 22, fresh out of school. It wasn't like they were like, oh, why aren't you a huge success already?
0: So you moved to Ottawa, you're staying in this room, you're doing these
1: odd jobs, then what happens? Well, at one of these odd jobs, because one of these odd jobs was I was working at a publishing company. They publish textbooks. My job was you wait for an email. To, so it's imagine a cubicle farm. You wait for an email to come into an inbox, and it had an order. And you had to take some numbers from that order, put it into Excel, an Excel spreadsheet, then save that file in a certain folder, and that was the job. Oh my God. And there was sometimes up to two or three hours in between those orders. So I was just chilling with a computer. So it
0: was a bullshit job. It was
1: a total bullshit job. And even like, I, I'm not a computer programmer. Like I took some courses in computer programming. I was never that good at it, quite frankly. But I was like, this is the sort of thing. Like it was 2007. And I was like, how is this not automated? <laughs> like, what what is wrong with these people? They had a team of like four of us doing nothing but this. And so I was like, how... Is this not automated? Like some I know I, I knew people that could do it. I was like, I know tons of people that can program this. In like two hours, I bet, and replace all of these jobs. You know, and you're like, oh my god, what does my life come to? Like, what am I doing? How
0: long did you do this for?
1: A month. And I'll tell you what happened. That's degrading to the soul. It is. And that's when I was just like, oh my God, like, no. So I decided, okay, first the first few days, I was just on the internet reading a bunch of bullshit. I was reading about, okay, let's let's learn more about weightlifting. I was super into weightlifting back then. Let's learn more about nutrition. Let's learn more about Ottawa itself. Let's learn more, you know, let's read sports blogs. Like I was just like all over the place, just on the internet. I was like, you know what, this isn't that bad, really. I've read about a bunch of my interests. They weren't necessarily work-related, but I was reading about whatever I wanted all day long, and occasionally an order would come in, and I would process it. So I was like, okay, whatever. I'm paying the bills. I'm living with my best friend. We were having a lot of fun at night and everything, and it was all... It was all good. So eventually, I started looking for other jobs while I was at work. I came... So at first, I was like, okay, we're in Ottawa. There's government jobs, right? So I'm looking up. I learned about the Nuclear Safety Commission. I was like, I was a physics degree. Like, maybe like the Nuclear Safety Administration. Like, maybe there be some work there. And there kind of was. But eventually, I came across this program from Natural Resources Canada that said, if you or a new grad and you're under the age of 30, we have this program where we will pay half your salary up to a certain amount. If you can find somebody doing research within our mandate and their mandate was like, you know, forestry, minerals, water, and the last one was energy. And I was like, physics could apply to energy? <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, I mean, that's what, I mean, like I studied different types of energy. Like there's mechanical energy, there's potential energy. Like I was like, okay, energy. It was like, and I, I studied chemistry too. So like burning gasoline, like I knew how that worked, thermodynamics, some of that. So I was like, okay, energy, sure. And I looked up energy research. And the first thing that name that comes up is like Dr. Matthew Johnson at Carleton University, like professor of mechanical engineering. And I emailed him and I said, hey, I'm this like physics grad and I'm working, I'm in Ottawa right now, I found this program they will pay half my salary up to this amount. And we can get a 12 month contract and I will do anything you want me to do. Like if you have a laboratory, like just put me to work and you have me for a year. And he writes back right away. And he's like, yeah, that sounds great. Like that's, I, did, I had no idea that existed. Like that's super resourceful. Like I'm going to Russia for the next three weeks, but call me when, here's my phone number. Like call me like on this date and like, let's talk about this. And I was like, okay, all right. And then I quit my job like three days later. I was like, <laughs> cause I was, he was super like positive about <laughs> it.
0: No, I find though too, that there's so many business, Resources that nobody knows about that are available to mm. all Canadians all the time.
1: Totally right. Right.
0: It's just they don't advertise it that well. No, they don't. Right. It's like this sl- sleeper cell sort of thing. It's because the government
1: doesn't really have a vested interest in advertising their programs necessarily. Like, other than like they want the money to be used, but if people aren't going to use it, it's not like they're going to lose money. It's yeah. not a business, right? So they're like, whatever. That's my impression. Maybe but that's wrong. But when you
0: find it and yeah. you're like, that's exactly what I'm trying to do, and there's this whole team of people that are willing to help me,
1: and they're looking for an opportunity to like use this program they're like oh yeah yeah
0: no I really respect the fact that you like actually took the time to do the research because so many people would also find that and then they'd be like huh that would probably work but not for someone like me right and then they just let it go
1: right but I was desperate (laughs) so and I was like I I was like I fit the program like I'm under 30 I graduated less like it's three years and it's like it has been only one year if that it'd been a few months at that point professor comes back and I call him up And I'm like, hey, the paperwork's ready to go, you would have to pay this much, and they're gonna match that much as well, so that's how much I'm gonna make, and I would be able to work for you for 10 months, I think it was, because it had to end by the end of August, and this was like October at the time, so I couldn't get the full year. He was like, okay, like, come meet me, and then if that goes well, like, sure. So I meet up with him, and he's definitely like this like, he was awesome, but he's like a zany kind of professor guy, he's like being pulled in a million directions, he shows me all around the lab, he gives me an hour of his time, we talk, and he's like, you know what, like, if it's that cheap for me like. He was a really well-funded professor. Like he did research in combustion emissions, so and like in pollution control from combustion emissions. So a lot of oil companies were pay- were paying him, like paying quite a bit for that type of research. So he had a pile of money sitting there, and he was like, "Sure, I actually worked for free for a few weeks." before I actually officially the program officially started, I got paid because I was like, I need to learn this stuff anyways. What am I doing anyways? So I started working with this mechanical engineering professor. He had a whole bunch of undergraduate students working in the lab that were about my age. Like they had just finished their undergrads and they were doing their master's and there were some PhD students that were a bit older. So I got introduced to the world of academia and graduate research that I'd never really been a part of. And that was all really cool. And we, d- we were doing combustion experiments. So things like we were burning all these different types of fuels and measuring, some students were measuring like the amount of such, like the black particle matters that comes off of it. So it was basically burning a bunch of different types of fuels, mostly gas fuels and and with the intent of reducing the pollution that comes off of them. And I was like, okay, That's something good, I think. Like it wasn't something I would have thought of doing. I was in a situation and it was like it was the best thing I was being offered. And I was like, okay, cool. So I did that and he gave me this one experiment that one master student had started the year before, and he was like, I got this hunch. I think, I think if this, this, and this happens, we could make this correlation that would predict the stability of this flame. And I was like, okay, I'll do that experiment. So I spent a few weeks like doing that experiment, collected the data. I came up with this equation that basically characterized what he said. And it did work, it did make the correlation. And then I showed that to him and he was like, wow, and gave me a high five. And he's like, we should write a paper on this. And I was like, okay. So we wrote a paper, we presented it at a national conference and it went really well, it was well received. And it was like actual research, it was cool. And it was really funny to be in this position. Like I really wouldn't have thought I would be in mechanical engineering like <laughs> less than a year after finishing physics. And then he said, you know what? There could be a master's degree in this if you're interested. And I think he said it off the cuff at first. I don't think he was really serious about it, but then I, I thought about it. And I, cause at that point point in time I was like okay this contract's going to be up I don't I can't work in a university lab the rest of my life like it wasn't that much money and like I got to do something more professional than this and I was thinking, okay, like I seem to be doing well at engineering. It involves a lot of science. There's a lot of chemistry and physics and, and this and that happening here. And I, I had the confidence, like, I know the math skills, I know this. And it and I had a hunch that it wouldn't be quite as intensely hard as like physics, you know what I mean? Yeah. It was like the pure physics. I was like, it's more applied science. So like I, I just had this hunch that I would be better at it. Or it was more suited to somebody with only above average intelligence and not like genius level, you know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> and so I was like, I eventually I applied to the graduate program, and they were like, okay, you don't have a degree. in in mechanical engineering, a degree in physics, but there's a lot of overlap there. So they were like, okay, if you do these extra courses, you can come and be a master's student here. And like, so it was going to take me a whole extra year to do it all. So it was a two years, it was going to be three years. At the end of the day, it was three and a half years is how long it took me. Yeah. When you take out the extremely advanced math and it's more of an applied science, I was getting straight A's all of a sudden. I was like a model student again. Oh, and wow. it was it was super validating and like I was taking a bunch of undergraduate courses that were like second third fourth year level to to get into the actual master's degree program and I was like tutoring and mentoring some of the undergrads and I was like the smart kid in the class all of a sudden getting like some of the higher grades yeah. and then the actual graduate courses those were harder but still I was getting like almost straight A's and like I so got so you one went B. from
0: like. Funny gram to smart gram.
1: All of a sudden, they thought. I, and what's funny is they thought I was like the mathematician. They were like, "Holy shit, you're so good at math!" And I was like,
0: "You don't even know where I, was, I came from." I, <laughs> I
1: was like, "I'm actually not. Like, I know people that are really good at math, and they taught me a lot of stuff. But engineering is different because engineering doesn't necessarily want to complicate things that they don't have to." They want things to be as simple as they can be. They'll only be as engineers only want something to be as complicated as it has to be to accomplish what they want, which is different than fundamental like physics research. So it's more like we're trying to solve a problem for humanity. We're trying to build a car. We're trying to build an airplane. We're trying to put a rocket in space. We're trying to burn fuels in such a way that there's less pollution they're only going to use the physics they need to accomplish that so it's not the forefront of physics research like it's it's way they're simplifying it as much as possible and it was more and like I learned a lot about well obviously there was the mechanical stuff like fluids, solids but I learned a lot about how to actually put machines together like oh I learned, I learned about bolts and nuts and stuff like that and how to actually like carve something out of metal using different machines I was buying hunks of metal and then designing parts on a computer and then actually like using machines to create what I wanted and then put together something that actually worked like it was it was totally different and I I wouldn't say I was the best at it like when it came to the math and the physics side of engineering I was definitely one of the better ones when it came to the actual like building things and and using your creative brain I wasn't the best but I was good enough I got through the master's degree super challenging but I got through it writing the thesis was the hardest part anyone who actually writes a master's thesis I have tons of respect for you because it's super hard I basically spent a year alone in a laboratory conducting experiments and writing it up and it was super tough. Like it's it's a hard thing to get through.
0: What made it so tough?
1: You have a certain amount of time, you're not make, you're not being paid very much, and you have and and in my particular situation, my professor got a bunch of money from a huge corporation to do a particular experiment that I ended up doing for my master's thesis, and I only had a few months to get it done, and I had to build a really really complicated experimental apparatus involving like lasers and fuel systems and and flames and cameras and all sorts of stuff, and I wouldn't say I did that alone, but I definitely took a big chunk of that myself. And, and there was only so much time. So the like the hardest part of that was for about four months, I was in the lab 14, 15 hours a day, six days, sometimes seven days a week. All I would do is I would get up at like seven in the morning, be in the lab by eight, and I would work until one, 12 or one. And I would go to like the student cafeteria, like gorge myself, go back to the lab, work until seven at night, gorge again, back to the lab and work until 10 or 11 go home smoke a joint pass out get up at 6 30 again back how did you love. not
0: burn out from that how did you not burn out from all of this because from the undergrad to the masters to the thesis it sounds like just emotionally grueling and then also like really challenging on the spirit as
1: well yeah and all i can say is it was over a period of several years so it wasn't like i had to do it all at once
0: no no i agree but just like To go through all of those things, all the uncertainty, feeling maybe inadequate during your undergrad, then going through all this uncertainty, finding this program, falling into your master's degree and then.
1: Well, something I've left out till now is during the worst of it, I definitely had insomnia. Like there were periods of time where I could only get a few hours of sleep a night and I got very, very good at power naps. And that's how I got through. There were times I just tossed and turned, couldn't get to sleep. I might get a few hours of sleep fitful sleep, feel like shit all day long. The one time I went to the doctor about it, Uh, they prescribed anti antidepressants, And they were like, I was like, I'm having trouble sleeping. I feel like shit all the time. And the doctor goes, well, are you depressed? And on that particular day, I had barely slept in days. So I was like, I think so. You know? <laughs> like I don't know. And so and then he was like, Okay, well i I think the depression is causing your insomnia. And I was like, and in my head, I'm like, no, I think it's like the chronic stress, but and like the anxiety and like just like the not only did I have a massive workload at various points during this, but it was also like the questioning of why the hell am I even doing this? Where is this going? That kind of stuff, right? So there's like this that keeps you awake at night. Yeah. yeah. So that like was you're just
0: on all the time.
1: You're just on all the time. And there's a lot like and it's hard to work until ten or eleven at night and then go to sleep at eleven thirty. Like you definitely need those like few hours of chilling before like you can get into like a deep restful sleep. And that's something I prioritize now. Yeah, downtime, unwinding. Unwinding time, like even like an hour or two can be enough, you know, like and you can't do that every night. But so I took those antidepressants for about a month and I did my research on them. And I realized it was not going to solve my problem. It was just kind of chronic stress is what I was dealing with. And that was a band aid solution at best. I never even got to the point where I felt them do anything. I took them for a month and I was like, no, I'm going to stop taking these. Side note, I'll say at least back then on this particular doctor, he prescribed me these antidepressants. And then he, it was an open prescription. I could get as many as I wanted. And there was no follow-up at all. It was just like, now I had this prescription. What, I was just supposed to take it the rest of my life? What was I supposed to do? Like, there was almost no instruction. It was just like, oh, take one or two of these a day. For how long? Why? And there was no, like, nobody calling me to follow up and be like, hey, how's that working out for you? Like, are these things working? Like, should we change the dose? Nothing. It was just, here's this drug that influences your brain chemistry. I thought that was bullshit. Yeah. I definitely had a lot of trouble sleeping that year. I smoked a ton of pot and I drank a lot of caffeine, a lot of coffee, and I took power naps. I got really good at, no matter where I was, just falling asleep for 10 or 15 minutes. And that buys you a couple of hours of feeling sharp enough that you can get some shit done. And I would do that like three or four times a day. And then I would sleep like three hours a night. I did that for months.
0: As you're going through this incredibly stressful time, it sounds like you didn't necessarily have a why behind all your actions.
1: And that's what I struggled with. And I'd say that especially once I realized I wasn't going to be the next, you know, researching physicist and have a career in that. It was like, why am I even doing this degree? And it, and that's what caused me the most stress, I would think. It wasn't, oh, I'm failing. Oh, this is a ton of work. That's a certain type of stress, but you just have to buckle down and do it, Right. And then it got to the point where it's like, once you realize you're not gonna have a future in it, why am I doing this? What is the point of it? And then that causes its own stress. And that's, I tried to escape it by smoking a lot of pot, was my, was the way I got it done back then. And then I would just power through the day just trying to get it done so I could go home and play video games and smoke weed with my buddy <laughs> with my roommates, and just try to have some fun for a couple hours you know what I mean and I played sports and I played music but it was uh, there definitely there wasn't a big like purpose behind it other than I knew I was good at science and I wanted some kind of scientific education but that was it and that wasn't really enough for me and then in the master's degree when I was now mechanical engineering doing the master's degree that did come up a few times as well and it was definitely like okay do I really want to be somebody who like designs machines you know, like that's not, really th- not something I ever really thought about. And I was good at s- definitely the math and science side of it. I wasn't necessarily good at the putting together the engines and stuff like that. That wasn't really my forte. So again, it became this like, why am I doing this? And the advice for my logical level-headed father was always get yourself a basis in these things. So it became just a matter of like just swallowing all those doubts and just powering through it and spending like a year working your freaking ass off. But it was, you know, you're so close to achieving this degree. Why not just finish it? Like it's stupid to, to just like cut it out because you're like, oh, what exactly am I gonna do after? You might as well just do it. If you're that close to being done, even if you're having doubts about it, like, why would you throw away like at that point it'd been like seven or eight years of school? I definitely I had the insomnia again in at various points throughout the master's degree, but it I got better at managing it. I still smoked pot and drank caffeine and drank coffee and stuff like that. But back there were periods of times where I definitely relied on them. I smoked cigarettes for a little while during those periods. I don't want to make it all doom and gloom because I had. I gotta say like you really bond with the people in the laboratory and I had tons of great friends, made a lot of good friendships. I was living with one of my best friends like almost this entire time, more than one romantic relationship during these years. It wasn't all doom and gloom, but when it came to like a life purpose, it was, I knew, the only thing I knew is I was interested in science and engineering and I was respectably good at it, but I didn't know like, oh, this is what job I want after. Or this is like my path in life and this is why I'm achieving this is because I'm going in this direction, I wanna do this. I didn't have that. And that produced a lot of stress for me. It would for anyone, right? So all all I knew was I was doing something very difficult and I was working my ass off at it with no why behind it necessarily, other than I knew that I wanted some type of science background because I was good at it. And that has some value in society, especially with engineering. I knew that there were a ton of jobs available. Even if you're a mediocre engineer, there's tons of jobs available. So I was like, okay, at least I can make money from this career. And then I can support myself as an adult. That was sort of like the weak why behind it. There wasn't like, oh, I love cars. And I want to like design cars for Ferrari or Honda or whatever. Because there were people in the program that were like that car nuts their whole life. And they're like, I'm studying mechanical engineering because I want to design cars for this company. Or there were people that were obsessed with renewable energy. And they were like, I am studying mechanical mechanical engineering because I want to design windmills. But I was always kind of like, yeah, that's okay, I guess. Like Like I'm
0: just here. (laughs) Good
1: for you. I'm just sort of good at this and I don't know what else to do. So, but I'm, I don't really see myself doing that forever. You know what I mean? Like there was never this idea of like, yes, like this is like, I really want to be an engineer. And then it got even better and worse. So I finished 2011. I got my master's degree. I traveled the world for six months with another one of my best friends. It was great. Worked on, and I was really into like, I was getting more into like sustainability and stuff like that. I was learning all about, I was super obsessed with fitness and nutrition. That was like my side interest was always like, especially after I learned a lot about sleep and how to sleep properly because I struggled with sleep so much and that's something I'm still passionate about is like helping people like optimize their sleep because it had such a huge impact on me when I couldn't sleep well I had half the intelligence I should have had and you're like in a worse mood you're snapping at people things are way more stressful than they have to be and it's all because you're just like not sleeping well at night so I've learned a ton about that that led me to a whole bunch about nutrition that led me to a whole bunch about fitness and all that kind of stuff and how it all ties together so I became this like total health freak and then all of a sudden, I have this like degree in mechanical engineering and a degree in physics, but I'm also like a health freak. So I was like, "How do I put this all together? I just don't understand." Like, it's I don't want to build cars. Like, I don't care about that. So what did I what did end up doing? Is I I worked on a couple farms after. Like, I volunteered to work on a farm in New Zealand, and then we traveled around and I and we did that kind of stuff. I when I got back to Vancouver. I definitely got right into like a healthy lifestyle and i'm very into the paleo movement is what i got into like paleo and primal like the primal blueprint mark sisson was one of my favorite authors from that and so when i got back to vancouver i like set up my healthy lifestyle but at the same time i was like okay i got to become an engineer that's sort of my background if i'm going to make money that's what i got to do and i thought about getting into sustainability because that was the closest match. It was sort of like, okay, let's produce a planet that humans can live on for, you know, sustainable periods of time, whatever that means. You know, I was thinking, okay, like, something where, you know, the waste we produce is equal to what we're, to what we can actually manage. And like, you know, I was like, okay, so that's helping people live this like healthy lifestyle. And I'm gonna use my science engineering background to like help people live a healthier lifestyle and improve their lives. And maybe the health of the planet, that had something to do with it. And there was like a pollution side to it. And there was the global warming side to it, too, which, you know, isn't as clear cut as some of these other ones, but it's still a threat. All right, I'm going to use my science and engineering background to, like, work on these types of problems. And so I wanted to be an engineer. I signed up to be an engineer with the professional association here in BNC. And they were like, whoa, 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 you don't have a bachelor's degree in engineering, do you? you have a bachelor's degree in physics. And I was like, yeah, but I have a master's degree in engineering. And they were like, that doesn't matter. All that matters is you need to have a bachelor's degree. That's what gets you your license.
0: That's a curveball for yeah. you.
1: So I had to write eight extra exams over the next, I did it over a two or three year period. While I was working full time, I wrote all these like engineering exams. During that time too, I got laid off from one of my jobs and I spent about a year and a half as an entrepreneur. Best year of my life. What I did is I I didn't really like the job. I was working in green buildings and we were doing lead projects, which is leadership and energy and environmental design. I used
0: to work in that too. Did you yeah, work in that? Yeah, I was working and in the marketing of that stuff. Well, there yeah. you go. So you know all about it. It's such a great, I love it.
1: It was totally attractive to me at first. I was like, this embodies everything. Cause it's like producing healthy buildings for people. It uses mechanical engineering and all sorts of other engineering. And it's got this whole like sustainability vibe to it. And I was like, oh my God, maybe I found my thing. But then the actual work I was doing was really just filling out spreadsheets to, like, get people points so they could... uh, And it wasn't that fulfilling to me, really. And I was like, oh, my God, this is, like, barely engineering at all.
0: So you were working in the certification of... Oh, okay. I was working in lead certification. uh, It was
1: consulting for lead projects. I'm not saying there's nothing cool in that, but like what I was doing, I was kind of like, this is freaking lame. (laughs) What am I doing? And I thought about it and I was like, whatever. I have a pretty decent work-life balance right now. I don't love the work, but the people are nice. I can work out and I can eat healthy and I have lots of friends. I'm like pretty happy with that. Uh, Living in Vancouver is awesome. I knew it would be awesome and it was totally great. And I was like, maybe I'll just work here for a couple of years and I'll save up a bunch of money. And then I will think about doing my own thing. Because at that point I was like, I, I... I had started writing. I had a blog and I was writing all about health and fitness and sort of my view of it and some things about sustainability as well. And I started writing this. I called it sustainable balance is what I called it. And then that job actually laid me off. And I had about like, I don't know, 10,000 bucks saved up at this point. And I had a very frugal lifestyle, I still do. So I was like, you know what? That's enough for me to like live off of for like six months. So I wasn't in a, and I didn't care about the job that much. I remember walking out of there being like, oh, thank God I don't have to do that for a while. (laughs) (laughs) But I was like, okay, so maybe what I'm going to do is I was always good at science and math tutoring. Like I like that relationship with people, like helping them learn science and math. I'm very good at explaining things and I like seeing people improve. So I started up a a science and math tutoring business like the next day. And then I set up my blog on an actual like self-hosted platform. And I started basically getting up. I would read for an hour. I would write my blog and then I would tutor people for a few hours in the afternoon. And then I had some free time. I also during this time, I realized I needed something to provide passive income so I could pursue things like uh, writing about health and maybe some other harebrained ideas that I had full time. But I was like, I need some sort of business that uses the internet, leverages the internet to like provide money to me so that I don't have to worry about making money day to day. And I can spend my time just like focusing on longer term ideas. Did have a business I wanted to start, but it was gonna take years to make money or something like that. So I was like, I need something that makes money Passively, I had read Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, and I had a bunch of ideas on how to accomplish that. So I had this idea, and actually, over there on the wall, you can see a ukulele oh,
0: okay. with a bunch
1: of pictures on the front. So we made that. It's uh, it, we called it ukuleles, Y O U ukuleles It's custom art. Like there's photos of me on there. We, we had a business idea. A friend of I, a friend, it was my idea, but then I needed a graphic designer. So I partnered with my friend. He was a super talented graphic designer, and we had this idea that we would have a website where people could go on there and upload their own photos and type in text and create a design on a ukulele and then it would make an order and then we would have some company receive that order, take one of our, yeah, and fulfill it for us. Like take one of our ukuleles, print it out and then send it out. And we spent like a year and a half on that basically, two years before we, for various real real reasons, the manufacturing of it was way too challenging. And we were never really happy with the product. And it was always going to be way more expensive than we wanted. And I tried for so long to uh, to fix that, but it didn't really work out in the end. And I went broke. There was a teacher strike and I lost all my my students and I went broke. So I ended up taking a job as an energy manager. I had I'd done some energy audits during this period of time as I worked part time for a consulting firm during this time as well, doing energy audits, which is like you just go in and figure out where... You look at people's energy bills. Okay, where's your energy going? This is for like commercial buildings and stuff like that, like office buildings, apartment buildings. Um, What easy things can you do to save energy? Like it was kind of boring, but it was easy and it paid okay, and it was kind of flexible. So I did that kind of stuff.
0: Were you sort of defeated at this point?
1: I was at a low point because I definitely I went into this entrepreneurship thing like super excited. I was like, I'm in control of my life. I'm living in line with my values. I've got these ideas and I'm like trying to create them. You know what I mean? And then a year later, you're like broke (laughs) and you're pulling money off your line of credit and uh, to pay rent. And your business is like showing you again and again that maybe it doesn't have legs. Like not only did, uh, was it really, really hard to manufacture, but the sales side of it was incredibly challenging too. And it was just the two of us working on it. We'd never done anything like this before. We thought that people would see these things and get super excited and everyone would be buying these custom ukuleles, right? It wasn't like that. People were like, oh, that's a fun idea, but I don't want one, you know what I mean? Like, or once well, in a never, while we would sell you one. You never
0: really know though, because there are quirky ideas out there with that have huge followings and yeah. people love them.
1: And, and nowadays, actually, i recently looked up that idea and there is a website called Not Your Daddy's Ukulele. And it's custom ukuleles. It's like custom art on ukuleles. Yeah. And they're doing a manufacturing thing that we decided not to do because it was not good enough. They, they're printing it out on vinyl and cutting it to shape and putting a big sticker on the ukulele as opposed okay. to we wanted actual printing done. Yeah. There is some guy's business where I don't know how much money he's making, yeah. but it, it, it is working. Yeah.
0: No, I think, because I think sometimes people feel... After the idea has sort of not worked out, then they feel sort of embarrassed. Like, why did I ever do this or whatever? I, know,
1: I, I spoke the praises of it for years too. I, anyone who wanted to listen. I was like, I'm starting this ukulele company. Yeah. And then two years later, I was like, oh, man, this just isn't fucking working.
0: But it could have worked. The concept is not that far fetched, right? No, because not. there are these really eccentric, interesting ideas out there that are very viable and popular. Right. Um, it's just that only becomes the case after you've succeeded. And and then it's like, oh, look at me. I tried this crazy thing and it worked out.
1: Going into it, I knew it probably wouldn't work out. And at the same time, I realized during that year too, like I wanted to do it because I thought it would make passive income. It wasn't something I wanted to spend 10 years of my life doing because... I thought the world needed it. I thought it was something I could set up in a year and it would start making money passively and then I could move down to things that I actually cared about. So when it failed, I didn't actually see it as a huge personal failure because I was like, I thought it was just a quirky idea that might make money quickly. Yeah. And then I could, you know, maybe have four or $5,000 a month just coming in fairly passively. And then I could pursue, and also during this time, I was blogging quite a bit. I wrote like 50 articles during that year, like long articles on my blog. And I've since taken it down, but I'm trying to get it back up these days. And I was really into, like, writing about health and fitness, writing about life advice, like, all that, that kind of motivational stuff, but also very concrete advice on, okay, here's, like, a, a diet and exercise program that can work for you. Here's how to sleep properly. Here's how to get healthy amounts of sunlight. Like, here's how to minimize your risk of skin cancer and maximize the benefits from sunlight. Like, I talked all about that. And I I'd always back it up with science. And I, was, I found that very fulfilling. I really enjoyed that. And some of my articles, like, were picked up by very influential authors, and all of a a day I would get like a hundred thousand views. Oh, okay. I couldn't make money from it because I didn't really think about how to set that up. But it was validating to know that some of the content I was producing was like getting, you I know, mean, all all these people comments. Why did you comments. take the website down? Because here's what ended up happening: I went broke, I went in debt, I ended up getting taking a job as an energy manager in an industrial yeah. factory, and it was an okay job. Don't get me wrong, I learned a lot about how factories work and engineering and this and that. Like good people, I can't really complain about it. But it was not something I wanted to do the rest of my life. I was like, okay, I'm taking this job because I need the money right now. once you have a full time job writing, because I was putting out like big ass articles once a week, and I just couldn't do that while working a full time job. And I was still doing those engineering exams as well. So months at a time would go by without me writing anything. And eventually, and like I had to pay for the hosting, I had to pay like, and so I did a two year contract at that job. And then I left and I had this idea that I was going to be a farmer. I was uh, really interested in farming. I still love farming. I want to be a hobby farmer, though. I don't want to be like a career farmer. And I was going to move to Victoria. I was going to figure out how to become a farmer once I got there. And all of a sudden I had to pay 300 bucks for the next like year of my website. And I was just like, ah, I'm kind of broke. I don't want to spend this money. So I saved it. I backed it up. I have all this, all the content. And I wasn't really into the, the name sustainable balance anymore. I wanted it to be more like my, just like grandbalachi.com or something like that. And that's, if I do it again, that's the way I want to go so ukuleles had failed during these two years like I I took the job but still worked on ukuleles eventually we were like okay we're gonna like stop doing this eventually took the blog down and I was gonna like just reset my life during this time I'd also met a very influential mechanical engineer working for a mechanical engineering firm he had a hobby farm that he lived on in Langley and he was working as a mechanical engineer and he was like hey listen like why don't you try working for my engineering firm you can work here and if you get really really good at your job you get a certain amount of control over it and you can decide to take more time off when you need to and we'd be once you're really good we know we can trust you we'd be open to part time And, you know, you can make a decent living and you can pursue things on the side while having an engineering job. And like, look at me, I have a farm. I spend every weekend working on my hobby farm and I love it. And I take eight weeks off a year, four of which are paid, four of which are unpaid. And I I have that ability to do that because I've been here for so long and I have the control over this. I also read this book, So Good They Can't Ignore You by Cal Newport, which really backed up a lot of that kind of stuff. I was really open to that at the time where he talks about what really matters is getting quite skilled at something and then you can have control over it. So even if it's not your, like he actually says, don't follow your passion, follow your skills. Your skills are what are rewarded in society. So if you get really, really good at something, now you can actually get paid fairly well and have a certain amount of control over it. So I took that on and I was like, okay, maybe if I do get pretty good at engineering, I could you know, have a part-time job that pays the bills and I could pursue all these things outside of that and that kind of stuff. But I knew that it wasn't going to happen right away. So I took this job and I finally became a professional engineer. During this time, I finished those exams. I became, I was already an engineer in training. I'd finished all those exams, but then to actually become a professional engineer is a whole other thing. So I spent about two year, two and a half years doing that. And that only happened earlier this year. And once I saw that professional engineering thing come in the mail, it hit me that it still wasn't really what I wanted to do. Oh. You know what I mean? I never loved the work. It was it was okay. Like it was, you know, like it was a very traditional place with a very set path in life where you're a mechanical engineer, you work on municipal projects. You work on projects where we're going to get pumps for a pump station. We're going to get pumps for a wastewater treatment plant. And don't get me wrong. I've learned a ton about how cities work and all the, and all the different, uh, the systems involved in, in how municip- municipalities actually provide services to people. That's basically like our clients are like cities and like all the underground pipes, all the electrical systems, all the mechanical systems, all the, the civil engineering that goes into it, the way. Waste- Water treatment plants the water treatment plants that's the kind of stuff this company does but ultimately you're at a desk you're using excel spreadsheets and it's it's okay you know what i mean like i never loved it though i was like okay i'm learning a lot i'm getting paid okay like it doesn't pay super well if i'm being honest but like it pays okay. I've been more than able to pay the bills and everything. At no point was I ever passionate about it. And then once I, once I got that professional engineering certification, I started having a bit of a crisis again. And I was like, this is not the path that I want to be on. And it was like, it was insomnia again. I was having like struggling to sleep. It also happened a few months before that, but I was like, get your PNG and then you're going to deal with this. And so that kind of like put it, punted it down the road for a few months. And then I got it. I'll admit when I, when I finally saw it and how much effort I'd put into it, like it was like 10 years of effort to get this frigging thing. I like, I cried. Yeah. I, bro- I don't cry. Like I'm not a crier and I broke down and I cried alone in my apartment looking at this thing because I did not expect to get it so soon like usually like oh yeah it's four months by the time you get it and it was only like three weeks so this thing came in the mail and I was like oh, what the hell is this and I opened it up and I was like oh my god I fucking finally did it yeah no, mm-hmm.
0: I, I can imagine why you might cry because you are probably one of the very few people who stumbled into a professional engineering license rather than, yeah. you know, steadfast, like, oh, this is exactly what I want, this lifestyle and everything about it is exactly what I want, where yeah. you're just kind of like meandering and you pick that up on the way. But it just, it just of kind work. of like
1: took opportunities as they came up. And it was never something that I was like, oh, slam dunk. This is what I want to do with my life. It was always like, well, OK, cool. I'll try it and I'll get to this point, then I'll reconsider. And I would be committed for that period of time and I would work hard and. Once it happened, I was like, oh, my God, like, I'm actually an engineer now. Like, is this what I want to do? Mm -hmm. And I was like, what about all these other things I'm interested in? And what about entrepreneurship? All that stuff like that year and a half of like having control of my lifestyle and like the excitement of starting up businesses. And I was and I was comparing myself to people like some of my friends have started companies and they're doing well with it. Not everybody, but some, you know, some of them are. And I would I was I would be envious of that and just like, oh, man, I wish I could have a creative idea Rather and, than this
0: PN, you know, you know like
1: it's almost boring just to be like an engineer working for a company. Like it's a it's a safe, steady, whatever career, and there's science involved, and sometimes it's pretty interesting. But a lot, it's just a, it's a safe kind of low risk career where you get you know what your life path is. You're like, okay, we're gonna pursue these types of projects. These this is my skill set, and you can expand your skill set slowly over time. And I look at the people who are 20 years ahead of me. And I'm like, is that what I want? Yeah. And it's like, no, it's not like, this is totally boring to me. Like, am I being honest?
0: Yeah. Cause this is kind of a weird thing to say too, because there's so many like, you know, men and women who are probably like 18 or 19 thinking if I could just get that PN, if I could just get that mechanical engineering degree, I would be so happy. That's all that I want. You know, it's all my family and whatever it works wants for me. some people. Yeah.
1: But I guess, I don't know and. It works for some people and to them I say kudos like we need engineers in society to figure out okay where we're gonna put this pipe what size of pump do we need Yeah, you know like okay and like and you sign off on this and there's a whole bunch of cool stuff about engineering like the protection of the public right like that is the number one tenant. like yeah. if you know that there's a risk and you don't say anything and something happens you're like legally you're like legally responsible yeah there, so there is some cool stuff and we need that those types of people but I just had this feeling and I just knew from my experiences I haven't done this it was like it just didn't jive with my personality to be somebody who showed up in an office every day and you know took whatever took the work that came in the door and you know designed similar stuff over and over over a period yeah. of year. like i was just like and quite frankly the earnings potential is not credible unless yeah. you become the president of the company and you're like yeah. or something like that yeah and i didn't love it and i was just i was like i was not i was 34 when this happened and i wasn't you know earlier this year and i just wasn't ready to like just lie down and just take that the rest of my life you know and then okay cool i go home at night and you know one night a week i do whatever fun activity i want other nights a week i do chores and i you know smoke pot and on the weekends i you know i try to have some fun i go out a bit i go you know like i just wasn't ready to accept that's my life yeah you know like i yeah. couldn't do it i was like i would to me even though society would look at me and say i totally had my life together yeah
0: exactly i felt like,
1: like a failure like i was struggling with it like i literally was like i'm a failure like this isn't the life i want i failed myself i didn't fail society because yeah. like i was supporting myself i was not a yeah, burden in a i was producing value a lot of ways you were value.
0: very You were very, very successful, but then you had this deep sadness with inside of yourself because that success that you'd had wasn't in the direction that you wanted it. No,
1: it wasn't. It wasn't. It it wasn't fulfilling my need for creativity. It wasn't fulfilling my need for like innovation and like, and doing something. and it wasn't fulfilling my need to like, even though it was helping people, I really like having more of a direct connection with people and serving them directly. So I ended up celebrating by one at Columbia. Cause I got my PNG. I was like, finally, that's all behind me. And I went to Columbia for almost a month. I had a great time. I traveled with this friend of mine and we had a really good time and uh, got back. And I was immediately, I got back and they were like, yeah, we don't actually have any work for you right now. So you we're going to send you out to do 12 hour shifts out of the airport where we're drilling holes for a geo exchange system. And you're just going to write the same report every day and watch them drill holes. So it was all right because it was Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I would do 12 hour shifts. I have 7 a.m. to 7 p.m. Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And they were paying me for the full 40 hours a week. So I only had to work three days a week, but it was like the entire freaking day. And I had four days off a week and this went on for months. So I had a lot of free time to be like, what do I really want to do with my life? And I started reaching out to everyone in my contact list that I could think of. Like people I hadn't talked to in a long time that I talked to about business things in the past. I was talking to my dad a lot. I talked to the president of whole, like presidents of startups and stuff like that. I was like, I really wanna get back to entrepreneurship and like do something creative. Talked to all sorts of presidents and met up with them. They gave me all sorts of advice. It was varying advice. I didn't take all the advice, but I definitely wanted to hear it and see where they came from. And I thought about going back to school. I was maybe, I was like, maybe mechanical engineering is what's boring. Like, I don't care about pipes and pumps and shit like that. Like, maybe I should go to electrical engineering. Because electricity is at least, like, cool. Like, like, computers and, like, electronics are, like, a cool thing. So maybe that's, like, that's what I'm missing. So I was like, do I go back and do another freaking degree and become an electrical engineer instead? And then I was like, oh, my God, that would blow all my money. And I'd be, like, 40 by the time I was done. And I was just like oh like I don't even want like I was just like oh my god like I can't believe I'm in this position this yeah. sucks and I thought about getting an MBA that still like comes up to like a master's of business administration that still pops into my head once in a while eventually I was just so overwhelmed by choice and I, and I was setting up meetings all the time with people learning from them like their their life stories what their careers were like like I learned about the position of product manager. I've read several books on it now, which is sort of like a, a more creative position in the technical field. And that's something I could still do, I think, as being a product manager for something cool. And eventually I hired a career coach and we've had a, a five or six sessions now. We have my final session coming up soon. And something that she helped me do was like, okay, here, we got to figure out what really matters to you. And then in the future, when you have a decision to make, you figure out, does is this in line with my values or not? And so I have it here now. This took me like months to actually like, and it's not finalized, but it's pretty good. And so I have these different things. And so I realized what I really care about. And like some of the health freak stuff, it really comes down to, I love helping people get healthier because when a healthy person is best and in the best position to actually provide value to the world. Mm-hmm. So helping people become healthier. And that's something I've done. Like I've helped, I've given advice on nutrition and training to my friends and people that I know. And I've helped, I helped this one guy lose a hundred pounds and like, he's kept it off and he's totally changed his life. And I helped a girl win a modeling competition. Like, it was just like, I really enjoyed that kind of stuff. Yeah. And so like working towards like your healthy body is like putting yourself in a position where now you can do your best work in the world. Yeah. So it really starts with physical health. And I think that's what's important to me is like during those periods of time where I was eating like crap, drinking coffee way too much. I mean, Coffee can be healthy, to be fair, but like way too much of it is not. And like sleeping like garbage, I was not the person I wanted to be. So it really does start with health to become the person that you want to be because now you're like positive, you have energy, you can actually – do things that are hard. And in that situation, you can really be of service to others. I also love creativity. I took a bunch of personality tests this year as well. I took the Myers-Briggs personality test. And now that thing has been fairly, thoroughly debunked by psychologists at this point, but I think it has something to offer. Quite frankly, I'm an ENFJ, which means I'm like a natural teacher. I'm a natural coach. I'm like, you know, spiritual leaders tend to be this type of person, like politicians are this type of person. And I was like, damn, like, I don't want to be a politician. (laughs) Like, and then I thought about maybe I should be a teacher. Maybe I should go get this degree. And then now I'm teaching high school. But I was like, at the same time, like I I do want to have a certain level of, of like wealth in my life. And that's just not going to happen with teaching. And so I was like, okay, how can I be some kind of teacher? And then I remember like the blog is something that I love so much, like writing about health and, and I'm trying to get back over to that. And it's been a, you know, it's been like a six or seven month process, but I've, what I also really like is innovation, strategy, vision, and creativity, which is all sort of bundled together. And like, so when it comes to like, what I liked about entrepreneurship is you think about something that can add value to the world and you actually make it a reality. And you're like, and you're helping people and you have to educate people on what this is and why it's of value to them and solving problems for people in an innovative way. Not just the type of engineering I really don't like is where you're just doing things that have been done a million times before. And like, don't get me wrong, that definitely needs to be done and that's important. But I I was just like, that will never satisfy me. It's gotta be something where it's like, we're doing something risky and new. And like, if it works, it's gonna gonna be awesome and help a ton of people. If it doesn't work, well, we gotta move on to the next thing. And then yeah, freedom and flexibility. And I love learning too. Like one thing that's been constant in my life I'm always reading. I'm always learning. I'm always pushing myself. I'm always trying to explore new topics. So now moving forward, it's like, I know I want to be some kind of, I, what I've done is using Cal Newport's advice. I have, as opposed to just ditching my engineering job entirely, I've got it down to a four day week now, sometimes three, and it's enough money for me to get by more than get by quite frankly, which is something I'm grateful for. And it allows me to explore a bunch of new things. And I have a business, a product I'm working on with my cousin right now, where it will help people sleep better. And that's really fulfilling to me. If I could bring something to market where it's it's basically, it's something that keeps your room dark but allows for ventilation, which is a problem to solve when you black out your windows, which people do in cities, cause you gotta sleep in a dark room. That's something about sleep. When you black out the windows, you can't get any air through and stuffy air affects your sleep as well. So this is something I've been wanting to make for a long time and we've got an idea for this. And I wanna get my blog back up and running, but it's all super overwhelming. I'm trying to do everything at once. That's where I'm at now. So I would say that Cal Newport's advice does work. Like be so good. They can't ignore you. And you can have control over your work. Cause I'm in a situation now where I make decent money, but I do have the time to explore the things at the same time, which not everyone has that. And that's, that's something I'm grateful for. How
0: do you um, navigate the sort of uncertainty that comes with projects like this and then trying to pursue them and get them off the ground? Because that's one of the things I think a lot of young entrepreneurs really struggle with as well is dealing with constant uncertainty, but it sounds like you thrive under risk and stress in a
1: way i've learned to deal with it after dealing with it so much in my life and i guess i would say this there's a difference between stupid risks and smart risks if the downside of the risk you're taking will ruin your life for an extremely long period of time don't do it if the downside is pretty minimal and the upside is huge that's the kind of risk you want to take So right now, what I would say, if you wanna be an entrepreneur, start working on your ideas before you quit your day job. Save up as much money as you can. Be frugal, like don't buy a bunch of shit you don't need. You don't need new clothes all the time. You don't need to go out to restaurants all the time. You don't need to blow a bunch of money on alcohol. It's like, don't do these things. Save up as much cash as you can. Get yourself a year or two of expenses. And then what you can do at that point is then, now if your income drops because you're pursuing some other idea, it doesn't matter. You have tons of money sitting there. Like, it's not like you're gonna be on the street anytime soon. And you give it a year and like you still have money left over at this point. And you now know if your product is gonna work or your idea is gonna work or not. Or you at least have some kind of evidence towards this and like work your ass off on it. Like don't just sit around being like, oh, and I've seen this too, where people quit their jobs and have a pile of money sitting there and they say they're gonna do something after a few weeks of chilling and then that few weeks of chilling turns into months. No, don't even give yourself a break, like maybe a day or two, but like go for it. You know what I mean? And really make an effort and don't be afraid to fail. Like if something's embarrassing, that's good because you're gonna get feedback to make it better. I would say just like limit the downside. One of the the things I've found out about this is, this is a Tim Ferriss thing to do is, You identify what your fears are, you write it, write it down like, oh, I will run out of money and have to leave, you know, move out of my apartment and be on the street. And then you have something that minimizes that potential risk. And you're like, okay, so back my first time when I was being an entrepreneur, I was like, well, I can tutor a few hours a week and that'll be more than enough to pay rent because you actually can charge quite a bit tutoring if you're good. So that minimizes my risk. I'm not making a full time income, but I'm making enough to pay rent and I can buy groceries like it's not that big of a deal. Even if the worst thing happens, okay, what's the worst thing that can happen? I have to borrow money to pay rent? Okay, that buys me a month or two. Do I have to ask my dad for some help? I'm grateful that he exists and that he can, do, he can help me. Do I have to move back into my parents' house? Like at no point am I gonna die, mm-hmm. even if the worst case scenario happens. Yeah. So that's a risk that you can take. If the worst case risk is that like literally, if you have like a family and a giant mortgage, and if you lose all that, you're like in a seriously bad position, well then you gotta really think about how you're gonna navigate that. But that's what I would say is managing risk is important. It's not just like, I'm not saying like everyone quit their jobs and go after your dreams. I think you have to take it one step at a time and be like, okay, like what do I wanna accomplish here? How can I test this without completely throwing away everything else I have in my life? And then you make a little bet, you try it, give it a concerted effort for a while. If you're starting to make money off it, then you can think, okay, maybe now I can get rid of the other thing I was doing. And then even still it's like, don't burn your bridges like you may have to go back to what you were doing before like that's what i mean by managing the uncertainty and the risk of it is like look at your worst case scenario and is it really that bad you know like we live in freaking canada here it's not that bad like even if i went broke there's so many friends and family i have they're not gonna let me starve on the street you know like it would be embarrassing
0: yeah but even despite that i think the way you've sort of like you have your four days on and then your other days that you can focus on other projects you're in a pretty good situation i think so too Sort it all out and figure it all out for yourself. Yeah. Right. Okay. So just to close this interview, I wanted to give you some time and space to give any last pieces of advice that you think might've been useful to you, you know, 10 years ago, 15 years ago when you were first starting down this journey. Cause the one sort of theme I'm picking up from your story is you were never clear with yourself about what you exactly wanted out of life. And that caused you to kind of, you know, um, go into all these other paths that didn't necessarily align with your core values. True. So could you kind of expand on that a bit more?
1: I could. And something if, you know, I was talking to somebody in grade 12 today, and this is something I've actually done the past couple of years has gone into grade 12 classrooms and talked about science and engineering careers and what the options are is I think now, and people grow and they learn and they make different decisions as they get older. But start keeping track of what's important to you at a young age what interests you why and ask yourself why does it interest me and when you start to think about what you want to do with your life why you know like oh i want to be a firefighter why and you really like this simon sinek has this offer and i have never actually read the book but he has this video where he talks about start with why why do you want to do these things like what's what's important to you in, in your life like try to nail down what your values are fairly early on and then make this make the best decision you can that are in alignment with those values. And that's really all it comes down to. And then even if it's not the job that's gonna make you the most money, if it's in alignment with your values and you make enough money, I'd say most people are totally happy with that. And if you do, if something one of your values is you want to be filthy freaking rich, well, then you have to start making choices that are going to support that. And I don't actually judge that. Like, I want a certain degree of wealth. I don't need to be a billionaire, but I could certainly be a millionaire. And entrepreneurship does attract me in that way. Is that like, you can get to a certain level of wealth. There's no ceiling. There's no ceiling. And like, you can actually get to a point where, once you have a few million dollars, if you invest it properly, you never have to work again. In that situation, you can be as creative and productive as you want, and that's a goal of mine. I don't wanna take, and when people call me up and they're like, oh, I can offer you a $90,000 per year job doing this engineering thing that I know I'm gonna find boring. I turn it down now because it's not worth it to me to make an extra you know, 10, 20 grand a year mm-hmm. and give up all my free time to do yeah. that. It's not worth it right now because I would rather explore these opportunities that could explode my wealth. That's way more important to me.
0: Yeah. The short term versus
1: the long term. The short term. term versus the long term. So I've actually, this year, I, I've been job searching a little bit because at first I was like, maybe I just need a new job. And I still get contacted by these headhunters trying to offer me better engineering jobs. And I say no because I would lose the flexibility that I have in my yeah. current job. The flexibility is more important to me right now. Yeah. So it's not even like, I've turned down jobs that offer me $100,000 a year, which is more money than I've ever, like, I've ever made. And I've been saying like, no, because that would be a 50-hour work week and I'd be exhausted all the time. And I would other than like chores and a bit of fun on the weekend, I would never work on anything else. Mm. So screw it. I'd rather make half the money and have two or three days a week where I can pursue something that could that could go really far. And also with my current job, it's cool. Like I've been setting up business meetings in the middle of the day and I'll just show up to work early and then I'll leave for the meeting, come back and put in a couple extra hours later. No one even says a thing. You can't get that in every job, right? So it's there are things more important than money depending on what stage you're at. And a salary is never going to make you wealthy anyways so and it's not all about money at the end of the day too like some people want to be a nurse why do you want to be a nurse oh because i want to help people in like the hardest periods of their life and if that's your motivation i can totally understand that like you're never gonna get rich as a nurse but if if you're gonna get if it's in line with your values like who cares
0: yeah you're living like a wealth in a different sense you're living
1: wealth in a different sense if there's a purpose behind it you know what i mean like it's not about like the rewards are good don't get me wrong you need a certain level of reward but like having a purpose in your life and making decisions that support your purpose is what provides meaning like you take on the responsibility that actually means something to you and that is worth more than anything else. And it's it's your life's work to figure that out, though. That's my opinion. It's not something that, oh, I took a quiz when I was 18 and it said I should do this. Mm-hmm. And OK, I'm going to do that now. I think a lot of people these days do. have. And when you actually get people talking about this, you will get people that are very successful that admit they're still looking for what they're going to do in the to when they grow up. And they fell into something. They've been doing it for 10, 15 years. Yeah. And now they have all these responsibilities and it pays well and they just don't want to rock the boat. And it's
0: going incredibly well.
1: And it's going and sometimes it's going really well. Like, And I'll say this in, en- in the engineering field. There's people with 20 years experience crushing it on these projects. If you uh, if you get them talking honestly, they're kind of like, yeah, I don't love it. You know what I mean? But, you know, I kind of have to I kind of have to do it. Everyone makes their own decisions. I don't judge that. But I know that for me, it's like I do have this purpose that I want to be creative and I want to help people live their best lives possible. And it's not like every single thing I do has to be perfectly aligned. But out of the options that you have for yourself, find the ones that are the most aligned and then get really good at whatever you're doing and correct as you go. No matter what you do, you're going to have your bad days anyways. So that would be my advice is figure out as start working as soon as you can at whatever age on figuring out what your purpose in your work is going to be like why do you want to study that why do you want to have that type of job like if you and once you have that i think the decisions become a lot easier and like and you will find more fulfillment in it Mm
0: -hmm. okay okay that's enough i think okay good okay (laughs) okay that was great